Welcome to the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church. I'm Pastor Michael Branch. As we begin, we pray, Lord, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. Over the last several months, we've talked a lot about God the Father, the otherness of God, and His nature and His attributes and all of that. And then we talked about uh, Jesus and uh, the preeminence of Christ, that He was the, the uncreated one, and uh, He is the, the, the firstborn of all created things, meaning that He was the creator of all things, as God's Word tells us in various places. Uh, so now I want to actually turn our attention to the Holy Spirit for several weeks. And uh, there is perhaps not a subject that will tick people off more than the subject of the Holy Spirit if you don't teach it the way that they want it to be taught. However, uh, I will still, my whole purpose and goal as a teacher, as a preacher, as a pastor, and, uh, and, and as your pastor, those of you guys who consider yourselves to be uh, members of this church, is to be biblical, period. Like, leaving my own opinions out of it, reading Scripture, rightly dividing truth, and understanding Scripture for what it actually says. And so I believe God's Word gives us plenty of, uh, of, of knowledge uh, about the Holy Spirit and, and how it's actually supposed to uh, interact with us in our lives and how we live by the Holy Spirit. But first, what I want to do is pray and ask the Lord to, to help me stay out of the way and, uh, and let's focus on the Word. You as well. Father, right now we just we, we want to check all of our opinions, all of our speculations at the door. And Lord, we, we open ourselves up to the truth of Your Word. We know that you said that the words that you speak are spirit and they are life. We know, Lord, that you pray, Lord, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So, Father, we submit to the truth of your word. Sanctify us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5 today. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 21. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. I'm going to give you a second to get there for those of you guys who are thumbing through your, your Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And be not drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself to one another in the fear of God. Now in this, this one passage here, we see the Trinity mentioned, uh, just as I was talking before. But, but the point of this whole thing is, is the journey of the follower of Christ. The journey of the follower of Christ begins with the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the surrender of our lives to His Lordship. So basically, what it means is instead of you trying to be the God of your own life, you submit yourself fully and completely to the Lord. You give all that you are to Him. As you lay aside your former thinking, like the way you used to think, the way you used to live, right? Um, then you begin to walk a, a worthy walk, the Bible says, before God. You're not trying to do it on your own, but there's this power in your life that is that is leading you and guiding you, transforming you into the image of Christ, transforming your mind, making you more like Jesus, and living a life in a way that is honoring to God. 
I hear really often, I've heard so many times, don't put God in a box. And I've heard this specifically about like the gifts or the works of the Spirit and, and uh, you know, that God is just some uh, uncontrolled, we can't really know anything about Him. He hasn't really given us the, you know, the knowledge or, or the understanding. But God did put Himself in a box, a self-imposed box. And many of you guys are holding it in your hand. We call it God's Word, okay? And in its pages, He has clearly defined for us the parameters of both His nature as well as how the believer, you and I, are supposed to live when we're followers of Christ. And the key to how the Christian should live is right here in chapter 5, verse 18. And, and here's the deal. If this verse was deleted from the book of Ephesians, then the rest of the book, the entire thing, would be us walking our walk completely in the flesh. But it puts this statement in there, this command, and, and tells us, basically assures us, that this is not something that you do in your own power. This is not something you do in your flesh. This is an awesome statement, and it's so often misunderstood and twisted in the body of Christ today, and it's so simple. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It, it, in the Old Testament, we have the Scripture that says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not anything you can do in your own flesh, but it is God working through the power of the Holy Spirit to draw us to Him and to transform our lives. It's the very fuel of the daily walk of every single believer. So you can never walk in humility. You can never walk in unity with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You can never walk in a different way than the world walks. You can never walk in light, you can never walk in love, and you can never walk in the wisdom of the Lord unless you are energized or powered by the Spirit of the living God. The life that's given by the Spirit of God works through us and in us, and that is the only thing in our life that actually produces holy living. Do it any other way, and you're doing it in the flesh, and you're doing it the wrong way. Live by the letter of the law, you're doing it the wrong way. It has to be engaged by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's so vital for us to properly understand the Holy Spirit and His place in our lives. A Christian has to do all they can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see how that works? You do all that you can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we're going to talk about that probably over the next several weeks. And um, um, But there's a lot of confusion about the teaching of the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned. And, and it's because, frankly, there's a lot of uh, just uh, mishandling of the truth when it comes to the, the subject of the Holy Spirit. Uh, pastors and teachers and, and, and folks, they mean well, but they're not rightly dividing Scripture, as God's Word tells us to do. And so often we're tied to the denominations that we were brought up in, and so we have an allegiance more to kind of our, uh, our childhood and the way we were brought up, rather than allegiance to just simply reading God's Word for what it says and letting go of the things that maybe uh, may in error that we were raised in. I've done that many times in my life. That's uh, that's a healthy thing to do uh, is to let go of things that you find are in contradiction with Scripture. And uh, we are always thankful for our upbringing. We're always thankful for our parents and what they've done for us and how they raised us. But they're not perfect and neither were our pastors or our Sunday school teachers when we were little. They did their absolute level best to teach us the Word of God. But as we walk 
under the authority of Scripture, and as we're led by the Holy Spirit, He, he points out things in our theology, in our belief system, in our thinking, that are off balance, that are off kilter, and so we allow the Word of God to correct that. Alright, so many denominations and, and many Christians these days uh, teach that God smacks you upside the head with some unknown force, right? Um, it's, it's this untapped power source um, that allows you to be able to do new stuff, like you're endowed with the powers of God uh, when, you, when, you're, uh, when you get the Holy Spirit, right? And of course, if you don't do the things that they say you're supposed to do, when you're zapped by the Holy Spirit, then you simply have not tapped into that power source. Or you haven't experienced, I don't know how many times I've heard this, you haven't experienced all there is to experience when it comes to God and knowing God and the Holy Spirit, right? Some of you guys are smiling and nodding because you've heard that as well. Um, and those who have these, these powers will ask, well, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, and uh, and they sort of look at you like a second-class citizen, like like God's kingdom uh, or or Christendom has these different levels of, of spirituality, and there's these folks up here on the top tier, and then there are these underlings down here who have not quite yet got it right. So in their understanding, they believe there's the filled and the unfilled, and if you aren't doing all of these amazing things then you're most definitely in the unfilled category. Um, I remember years and years ago, we were going on a mission trip to Mexico, and I was out doing something that we did back then. We did a coin drive, and we would go house to house or business to business, and we'd just say, hey, uh, we're not asking for like cash, but if you got any loose change laying around, just toss it in our bucket. Well, so we went to this one business, and there was a woman there, and, uh, and she said, I'm sorry, I can't give to your mission trip. And I, and I was like, well, why? And she said, well, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, and so, I mean, it was like, I mean, I'm just asking for quarters, you know, I'm just asking for pennies, like whatever you got. Uh, but her reasoning, the whole reason, and she explained to it, you're not plugged into the power source. That's what she told me, you're not plugged into the power source. So um, th that was one of my earliest, uh, of course, I grew up in Wyoming, so this was one of my earliest experiences in the Bible Belt of this kind of thinking, right? Um, but I've had many experiences since then, many friends and even family members who have said that they've had this extra spiritual experience that kind of set them apart from, from me or other believers, yet, yet I have not seen any discernible difference in their life and the lives of other believers who are just, who love Jesus and who are living by the truth of the Word of God. Um, there's, no, there's no tangible difference between the two. As a matter of fact, some of the folks who were who said they were most tapped into this source were ones who struggled greatly with, with issues of sin and addiction and all of those types of things. So um, there's no there's no easy slam dunk when it comes to uh, walking your walk before the Lord. Like they want to just be able to put their their money in this machine and 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 buy the results. You know, but if you do this, this, and this, then you're going to be able to walk in this power. Well, there is a power that we can tap into, but it just may not be what you've always been taught, and it might not be uh, what you would expect. All right? So the thing is, how does the Holy Spirit uh, interact with us and work with us and lead us and guide us in a way that has a practical, uh, life-changing, transformative difference in our lives every single day? 
are we to believe that the power of the spirit is just some sort of sideshow? That that it's, that it's like a like a three ring circus, right? Um, that it's supposed to give us an emotional high, like a, a divine hit of dopamine, right? We go to church every week and and we and we get all razzled and, and hyped up, and then we go home and and we can't wait till next week till we go back to church and we get all razzed and hyped up again. I don't believe at all that's what. It's supposed to be some spiritual promotion up to the next level, uh, uh, leading to superiority over the little people, right? The, 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 the spiritual underlings. It's not any of those things that, that it's so often characterized as. The filling of the Spirit is a very profound, powerful, tangible reality in the everyday life of the believer of Jesus Christ. It is a, a life-transformative powerful, profound thing that changes your life. So we want to try to understand it as much as we possibly can this morning and over the next several weeks. And I want to give you a biblical framework. I want you to believe what you believe about because the Bible says it, not because anybody else says it, you heard it from some preacher on TV or you read some book or you, you listened to some guy's video on YouTube. I want you to believe what you believe theologically because the Bible says it. So first of all, it is a command. It's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. And with the command comes this immediate contrast presented, which we can. it helps us more easily understand what the command is all about. And here's what it says. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's not saying that being filled with the Spirit looks like being drunk with wine which is often what people think, that if you're filled with the Spirit and you're stumbling around and all these crazy, wacky things are going on and, you know, we're not drunk as you suppose, we're just filled with the Holy Ghost, all that kind of stuff, and we're going to talk all about that. It's, it's not the same as being drunk, meaning you don't look at someone and say, oh, well, that guy's drunk, they must be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's drawing a contrast between drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit for a very specific reason, and I'm going to share that with you today. In their day, drunkenness was a method that they used in pagan religions amongst the Gentile nations to induce a supposed communion with deities, okay? So um, if you could drink enough, if you could get drunk enough, then you could have conversations with the gods, all right? So um, we know from our past study that the gods, they're not just fake gods, they're actually worshiping these fallen spiritual beings, these, these fallen Elohim, which we know to be the demonic. So these false gods are actually the demonic, okay? And so what they're doing is they're trying to induce this communion with these fallen beings in order to gain spirituality or knowledge or whatever. Um, and so this is not a social issue about drinking. I want you to understand this. This is a theological issue that he really focuses on and gets to the heart of. So the pagans would get so drunk that they felt they would induce this high level, this highly religious experience, um, a new level of consciousness, if you will, and they would commune, have communion with these gods. And so when they got drunk, they got really, really drunk, okay? Um, they would even force themselves to vomit so they could drink even more, all right? Um, they would purposefully induce a drunken stupor that they believed would elevate them from one plane of existence to another. Now, what's interesting about this is what's gain, gaining in popularity 
is uh, something that um, psychedelic drugs that were kind of outlawed in the, in the 50s and 60s um, and, and started creating this whole movement is now becoming more popularized. And, and, uh, and I see what you can draw the comparisons here of what they were doing back then to get drunk and what we see people doing now in order to, to kind of open the mind's eye and, have, and, and, and travel to another plane of consciousness, okay? Um, so here in this passage, the Apostle Paul is contrasting that unhinged, uncontrolled behavior by saying, church, you commune with God through your worship, and he mentions psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You commune with God by living your li uh, lives as wives who submit to your husbands, as husbands who love and sacrifice for your wives, and so on. Like he outlines how we commune with God by walking in the Spirit. You do all of this, not induced by drunkenness. You don't do it through drunkenness, but you are induced by the filling of the Spirit of God. And the two are completely different, okay? Uh, Paul points out that we find our joy, we find our fulfillment, our excitement. We have the basis of our worship, the passion behind the preaching, uh, our communion with God. All of it, our daily walk, comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. So while their worship service was had to do with communion with these fallen spirits, like it utilized music, it utilized dancing, and this is why... Uh, early on in America, this is why a lot of the um, the folks would um, the preachers would preach against like rock and roll music and the drum beats and all of this stuff because because in other countries they did they the shamans would use drugs psychedelic type drugs mushrooms and that sort of thing and they would use music and drum beats and dancing to induce this kind of new spiritual consciousness. And so when it wasn't just that, that uh, preachers were trying to kill everybody's uh, the, um, you know, fun, it was that they really felt there was a spiritual connection between those things and, and uh, what was going on, kind of the, the new popular music that was sweeping the country. So that, that old, good old rock and roll, right? So their worship service was completely different in that it was the it was the dancing, it was the the, the uh, drinking, it was the music, it was uh, sexual immorality, appealing completely and totally to the desires of the flesh. Okay, uh, just getting drunk out of their minds, complete loss of control, which honestly made it vile in God's eyes. Um, but our worship church, our communion with God, is brought on by nothing else than the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the comparison is obvious between the out-of-control, drunken worship of the pagans versus the beauty of the church's spirit-filled worship of the one true God. Do you all understand that? So, um, that's what's in the mind of Paul when he's saying this. And he's saying, as a Christian, you have to leave all of that stuff behind. That all of the things that you used to get the fulfillment and joy out of, um, when you would kind of delve into those things for the flesh, now you let all that stuff go, and now we seek the Lord and commune with God in a completely different way. We walk filled with the Spirit of God. Now, of course, this is a common contrast in Scripture. In Luke 1.15, uh, for example, regarding John the Baptist, Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 15, if you want to turn there. 
Again, one more time, I always get uh, I get uh, teased for not giving y'all enough time and not repeating scripture enough. So Luke one fifteen, Luke chapter one verse fifteen, regarding John the Baptist, he says, "For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord." And then here's one of the things that characterize him, that sets him apart. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, but he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So again, there's that contrast, the spirit or drunkenness, right? The spirit or wine. And uh, it's saying that he won't be a drinker, he'll be spirit-filled. He's not going to have his religious mindset induced or manipulated by strong drink, but rather instead by the Spirit of God. He will not be influenced on the inside by drinking. He's going to be influenced on the inside and transformed from the inside out by the power of the Spirit of God. He will not be motivated by what alcohol does to his brain, but rather he's going to allow the Holy Spirit to transform his mind, what we know to be the mind of Christ. Do you see the difference? Do you see the contrast? For every counterfeit thing the world throws at you to try to give you fulfillment, which is fake and harmful, the Holy Spirit of God offers something that is eternal to you that if you latch onto it will completely change your life. So he will be guided, in other words, by the Spirit of God, and that is what God desires for his church. In Acts chapter 2, we find that same contrast yet again on the day of Pentecost. You remember it says in chapter 2, verse 4, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began, to, they began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And here we see the disciples as they begin to speak with all these different languages. And the word often translates as tongues. And, uh, and, it, and it actually names the languages. It's, it names the, the tongues or the languages by the areas from which these folks were from. Okay? This, this, uh, this is important to understand. It mentions it in verse 9, 10, and 11. They were speaking all of these wonderful works of God in languages that they had not previously learned. So the Spirit gave them the ability in that moment to do this. And there was a purpose for this particular event. The Lord miraculously gave them the ability to do that. And the point was that when they were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they were preaching the Gospel. They were sharing all the wonderful things that God has done. All the mighty works of God. And, and so all of the travelers who had come from various cities in the region that day, speaking all these different languages, they come to the city for Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is poured out. And they heard the Gospel message in their own language. There was a purpose behind it. Look what happened next. They were all amazed. They were perplexed. That means they were at a loss. They, they couldn't explain it. And they said, what does this mean? And others mocking said, these men are full of uh, glucose, is the word, and it's new wine. It's that fresh wine, the strongest wine, right? And, and they're basically, the, the Jews who are watching at this time, they're saying, this is just another pagan ritual. Okay? They're recognizing this and connecting it to the, the paganism of the Gentiles. Um, to a Jew, this behavior would be a very big no-no. Alright? Like, disgusting to them. Um, they had seen the Gentiles induce their worship through drunkenness, and they just automatically assumed that that's what was going on here. They believed they were seeing this new faction of Jesus followers that were acting the way that the pagan Gentiles acted. 
alright? And so they surmised that this new faction of religious people were no different than the pagans. Ah, this is just another pagan religion. They're just drunk. Look, they lowered themselves to the level of all those pagan Gentiles, um, and they, they stooped down to their level. Why would anybody want to listen to them? Why would anybody want to listen to what they have to say? It's completely unacceptable. So they're being mocked, and um, they, you know, here it is, early in the morning, and and they're already they they're they're assuming that these folks are already, you know, drunk at this time in the morning, right? So they were not happy with them. They were looking down their nose at them, and they just immediately dismissed them. So Peter stands up in verse 15, and he says, These are not drunk, as you suppose. This is not drunkenness. This is completely different. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean they were falling down and laughing, as I mentioned before, like you might see somebody who is just completely sloshed out of their mind, right? And, and they can't hardly walk. That's not what was going on here. It wasn't slurred speech. They weren't speaking nonsense or gibberish. Okay? It was actually the, the exact opposite of what was going on here in this moment. The Holy Spirit was giving them the ability in that moment to speak with specificity, to speak with a divine detail in such a way that it was in another language impeccably so that the folks who were there from other cities and other regions could hear the gospel in their own language understand it and then go home to their home country and become the new evangelists in their hometowns and their regions and their areas. You see how smart God is? Isn't He clever? How He works all that stuff out? Yeah, there was purpose behind all of this. It wasn't just just a crazy, uh, you know, wacky thing going on. Alright? So it was the exact opposite of a lack of self-control. So the world, in its lack of understanding, often doesn't know the difference between an expression of, you know, paganism, and then they just put us over in the, in the list of crazies as well, don't they? Uh, and as time marches on, folks, uh, we're going to be labeled more and more crazy, because as, as time marches on, the culture and the society, the divide is getting further and further between what's acceptable in society and what God's Word teaches is how a believer should walk. And so there are many self-proclaiming Christians who uh, honestly don't know God's Word, and they are going to go along with what society does. And so you might as well just, I love the saying, gird your loins and get ready for it, because... Because the, the truth of the matter is, you're going to take some, you're going to take some blows. We're, we're going to face some persecution, and it's it's headed our way. But I want you to make up your mind now that it doesn't matter what the cost. I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ and for the gospel. I'm going to do what He's called me to do, and I'm going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look back at Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen. Ephesians five eighteen. Because we see the same comparison again. Be not drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Returning back to that original command. And I'm sure that Paul, while he was writing this, he had in his mind that account on Pentecost when Peter stood up and said, Whoa, wait a second. These, they're not drunk. We're not drunk. Right? This is something completely different. He's more than likely looking back and thinking of that very moment. Okay? Um, and and that is the why 
that's what I want you to understand. This is the why behind this comparison when Paul is, is, is making this comparison here in Ephesians, okay? Um, now let's look at the command itself because I believe if you understand what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe it's freeing. That you don't live with this burden on your shoulders that there's there's some there's some way that we're supposed to be living in this um, in this power where we float with our feet, you know, three inches off the ground, you know, uh, and we're just so super spiritual. Or or God maybe speaks to us in an audible voice or all of these different things that people often throw out there. Um, it should lift that burden of condemnation or shame off of your so uh, shoulders if you're, you've been told your whole life that you're supposed to do all the same miracles that Jesus did. Or if you're supposed to do all the same miracles that the apostles did. Well, folks, I'm sorry, that's just wrong. Okay? Um, the, the, the thinking or the, the charge is that because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to be able to do all those things. But that's not what God's Word teaches. And I think you'll see clearly in Scripture that that particular mindset about being filled with the Holy Spirit just doesn't add up in Scripture. That's not what Scripture teaches. Yes, we walk in the power of the Spirit, but again, it's a profound and tangible reality in our everyday lives. So it says, Be not drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What he's saying is that this is something I demand of you. I'm commanding this of every single believer. In the Greek language, there's what's called uh, an indicative mood, which is a statement of fact. And then there's an imperative mood, which is a command. So you can state a fact, but then you can also uh, make a command. And God, in this particular passage, this is an imperative. It's a command. And here's the interesting thing. It doesn't speak of a one-time thing when it says be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you break this down in the actual Greek, here's basically what it says. Are you listening? Here's what it says. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. It is a continual, ongoing, filling, an everyday thing that is that is transforming your life. It's almost as if it's drawing a comparison to a spring or a fountain of water that just has this never-ending uh, supply. Which, oddly enough, is how Christ describes Himself and how the Holy Spirit is described in, in Scripture as well. As well, but this is a command for the believer. It's 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 not an option. It's not a suggestion. God rarely makes suggestions. I don't. I, he didn't make the ten suggestions, right? He made the ten commandments, and uh, and so He makes commands and and He states facts. He doesn't deal in suggestions, nor is He ambiguous. He He tells you what He means. And if you want to know the truth, there aren't a lot of optional things in Scripture. It's basically this is how you live when you walk by the, the power of the Spirit and you have the mind of Christ, and this is the way the world lives. It's light or darkness. It's binary. It's life or death. Okay? So, what I find concerning is that there are so many self-proclaiming Christians today that actually have never known what it feels like, what it means to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, they are never really committed to this command of being filled by the Holy Spirit, okay? So, you know, we, we all understand the sensational um, side of it where they, they're making all these, uh, you've got your miracle chasers and these claims of all these crazy things uh, happening like gold dust falling from the ceilings and 
you know, people's teeth being filled with gold and all that kind of stuff, these, these spiritual manifestations. But on the other side are those who just simply, I would call like the frozen chosen, right? They're like, that they just, they don't walk in the power of the Spirit at all. They have no concern whatsoever with the things of God. So, um, they, in a way, they've created, or the church has created, this new category of Christian. And here we go again with these different classes of Christianity. You've got the natural man, the unsaved, the unregenerate man, and, and he's on his way to hell. And then you've got the super spiritual Christian, zapped by this power, right? Doing all these crazy, wacky things. And then you've got what the Bible describes as a Christian who walks with the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit, loves Jesus. Uh, loves the Word of God. That's where we need to be, by the way. And then you've got this new box over here that you can stick people in, this new area, compartmentalized, where, oh, that's just the carnal Christian. That's just the folks who, you know, they're, they're kind of in it. They're not really in it. They're just kind of, you know, they're going with the flow. You can't really tell any difference between them and the world at all, right? And they may even claim, you know, I hear often like, I'm okay and God's okay with me. We're good, right? Um, they're content in, in, that they're going to miss hell by the skin of their teeth, right? So they got their body in the world and one in their big toe dipped in the, uh, you know, like Christianity, okay? And, and we all know folks that you would probably put in that category. Um, and the modern churches say to them, well, you're all right, okay, because you walked an aisle at some point. You repeated a prayer at some point. You cried at some point, and you had an emotional experience at some point, and so that makes you a Christian. Well, I got to tell you, I think all that does is create false converts. I believe that there is there is um, evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, and of course, um, I got a little I got a little creature here. He's not bothering me. I'll just let him do his thing. So uh, we have all these false converts around who don't really know what it's like uh, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, um, God's Word teaches us that this is the standard of the believer. It, God established this for every single one of you. And that He means for you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is essential to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it uh, clearly, often, and we're going to cover all of those scriptures. And by the end of all of this, you're going to have a a very full and complete biblical understanding of what it means to walk by the Spirit. Okay, um, true Christians with genuine faith faith will not be content to deny the lordship of Jesus Christ in their life. Like it's 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 full surrender to the Lord. True Christians with genuine faith will not be content to deny the power of God in their lives. They will not be content to look comfortably in a worldly box and compartmentalize themselves over here somewhere other than where God has uh, called them to be. They will not be content with anything less than complete and total surrender to Him. Again, this is an imperative. It's a command for every believer. And the only thing that a believer should do is obey it. Just obey God and rest in Him. That's, that's what I want you to understand, though. And I'm about to close here in just a couple minutes. But what I want you to understand is that the good news about this command is that it is brought on by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it in your own power. You cannot do it in your own flesh. And so we get to rest in Him. So once we surrender, we rest in Him. I saw... Um, 
earlier, Brett, you know, uh, holding this little girl and rocking her, and, and that's the picture. It's like is resting in your in your daddy's arms, like this this full surrender. Like she wasn't doing anything to be held. He was completely holding her, and that's that's kind of what this picture here. Okay, and we're going to talk about that more over the next few weeks as we really get into the idea of the filling of the spirit and what it means to be filled. It has a very specific purpose in the life of the believer. And that is God's plan for each and every one of you. To walk in the power. To be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit each and every second of every minute of every hour of every day. But first and foremost, you have to respond to the Gospel. First and foremost, you have to know Jesus. You have to know what it means to surrender to His finished work at Calvary and what it means to understand your depravity and the fact that you are lost without Him, that you are absolutely hopeless without His work and what He came to do. And I think that's the issue is that when we change the Gospel from into something other than what it actually is, which is a complete and total understanding that you're toast, right? That's the Gospel. You're toast. And without Him, without His work, without what He has done for you, you are hopeless. And that's the beauty of it. So if we make it about uh, physical healing, if we make it about some unknown powers that we're going to receive, or if we make it about um, just being fulfilled in life or anything else, then we're changing the Gospel to look from what the Gospel was meant to be and the power of the Gospel, which is... The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and that only by God pouring out His wrath on the, on His own Son, the wrath that you deserved, only in that scenario, understanding that completely and surrendering to Him, do you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when that happens, it is the work of the Holy Spirit first to draw you. So the question is this morning, if you've never made that, that decision to, to surrender yourself, to the, to the calling, the leading, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The question is, do you want to know Him this morning? Do you want to surrender to Him today? Is He guiding you? Is He leading you? Is He calling you by name? And if He is, I want to encourage you to come talk to me today after the service. Talk to someone that you know, that knows Jesus. Have a conversation with them. And then let's have a conversation about what it truly means to surrender your life to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit then seals you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit then gives you this fountain of living water that you can draw from every single day of your life. Okay? But again, I, I beg of you, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit, please respond and come talk to someone, me or someone else today, after the service, and let's have that conversation. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged by the truth of God's Word. If you're in the Tulsa area and are looking for a local church family that teaches God's Word, then join us at 1030 every Sunday morning. Or you can join us live online on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Until next time, brothers and sisters, as Paul instructed, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you.